Welcome to the Gill Athletics Connections Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cunningham, National Sales Manager for Gill Athletics. Our goal today is to connect you with coaches from around the world to learn their journey, share their stories, and just figure out who they are and what they're all about. So without further ado, let's get on and find out what today's guest has in store for us. Hey, thanks for joining us again here on the Gill Athletics Connections podcast. Uh, when I was promoting this guest today, and you've already seen who we've got today, uh, I said, you know, always smiling, but a fierce competitor. And as we were doing our quick little pre-interview, we're already laughing uh, at and with each other. So uh, I think this is going to be a fun time. Before we get started, it is March 1st. I got to do the little the corporate commercial thing, right? So uh, shipping for Javelin is getting more and more expensive. UPS is just, uh, you know, they do what they got to do right so we are actually for the month of march for two or more javelins we're going to do a flat rate for everybody in the continental 48 states so 49 dollars will get you two or more javelins or some cool javelin starter packs we have for certain states like florida which will play a part of this story today south carolina arizona uh, we've got some nice uh, javelin starter packs but call your authorized preferred gill athletics dealer or give us a call here at 1-800-637-3090 and let's get you taken care of okay the commercial's over. No more, I promise. Let's get to our guest today. Help me welcome the wise, the wonderful, Miss Dana Boone. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Nice and, to uh, be here, Mike. And right on cue, the smile, the laughter already starting. I love it. I love it. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is one, Dana, you know, you and I have known each other for a while. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I always tell people, it sounds like it's not a compliment, but it is to me. You're, you're one of those people that I just don't know how we've met. Like I've just always known I Dana. No yeah, yeah. I have no idea either. Yeah, it's just like, oh yeah, Dana, she's a friend, been around forever. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, super excited to learn more about your journey today, Dana. Uh, tell us, so you're the head coach at the University of Central Florida. Tell us a little bit about how long you've been there, what's it like in Orlando, and just, uh, you know, how warm is it? Because I know uh, we're recording in February, but uh, it's a little uh, warm. I don't know right? if you really want me to talk about how warm it is, but uh I have now, this is my third season as head coach at uh, UCF. Um, we don't really refer to it as Central Florida, which UCF is our brand. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I was laughing the other day because I was like, I've been here, this is my third year, but I've only had one outdoor season since I've been here. So that's what's kind of crazy. I've had two yeah. indoors um, and one outdoor. So really looking forward to this outdoor season, but that, I, I digress. But um, anyway, yeah, we're down here in Orlando, and I feel bad kind of saying that. I mean, highs are going to be close to 90 today. Um, so it's almost like the polar opposite of what everyone else is having. Um, it, it's getting hotter here. Um, and, you know, but we are going to feel the effects this weekend. It'll only be 65. So that will be our cold front, and we will have to make do and survive. But um, you poor it's thing. really been nice. <laughs> Now, I didn't know. I knew it was warmer down in Orlando, but I didn't know it was going to be 90. Literally. Well, it's close to 90. It's going to be upper 80s, like 86, 87, somewhere. Um, they said this morning close to 90, so I don't know the exact temperature, but um, it's been, Monday was very hot. It was 80 plus degrees. Ugh. So literally. yesterday was supposed to be a, a hot, but it wasn't as hot as Monday. So what was it like only 70s? Yeah, yeah, actually. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see she has a like a long sleeve jacket. I, I won't call it a jacket, but 
come on. It feels like a little dramatic here, Dana. This morning when I was walking my son to school, you know, to the bus stop, it's a little breezy in the morning, you know, like on Saturday morning, it's going to be in the 40s and it's going to take a little while to end up to the 60s. So, you know, this morning, my son always thinks I'm being a little dramatic because I always put a little jacket on because if the wind's blowing, I, I feel a little cool. So, yes, I, I, I tend to have jackets on and feel a little cooler even when it's warm. But by the time I walk out and go to practice, I won't I won't have my jacket on anymore. You get no sympathy from me at all as I was hey, the I'm office. If I was in the office, the office is freezing. You must have a jacket. Yeah, I, I've been down there. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> As I was having coffee with my wife this morning, getting ready to come in for the uh, the interview, um, I was excited. You know, I asked Alexa what the weather was going to be, and she said it was a high of twenty. And I was like, "Oh, sweet! Like <laughs> it's going to be twenty. Like that's like I put <clears throat> I took my uh, my super winter gloves off and put my just regular gloves on. I, I, I was pumped. <laughs> uh, the last couple of days, it's been like high of six and five yeah. and stuff like that. So zero sympathy from at least my group and I know a lot of the country no sympathy from, from yeah I'm I'm not really trying that's why I, say, I feel kind of bad talking about the weather because there are people in dire straits and and especially in the state of Texas having yeah. lived there that could have been me easily um since I spent 12 years there in different parts but um so I definitely um feel for them there yeah it's one thing to joke about you know, if you're up north and we like to joke about uh, people down south and remember I'm from the south so I'm really kind of making yeah. fun of myself when I do this uh, but we make fun of you know people who don't uh, can't handle the cold or a little bit of snow or a little bit of ice but honestly this is no joke time like serious bad things are happening uh, down south specifically in the state of Texas so you know yeah. uh, lots of uh, thoughts and prayers for our, our friends and uh, people that, um, you know, they need help down there. It's, uh, sure. it is bad. It is bad. Uh, it's interesting. I didn't realize you mentioned about only one outdoor season in your three years <laughs> at UCF. You were actually, you don't know this, you were the last school slash coach that I visited before the pandemic. I was okay. in Orlando in March and then right after that went to Albuquerque and we all know what happened there, you know, in the nationals, but you were the, you were the last one I saw. You're, you're the, I remember the last that. memory. Yeah. Yeah. And, that on my couch. yeah. and it was, uh, it was hot then as well, by the way. Yeah. 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 I took well, the long walk. I went the wrong way and I took the long walk around the stadium to get to the hammer cage. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I, know, yeah. I know it's out here. And then when I found it and found the shortcut to get back to the track, I was like, are you serious? I just did. Yeah. Like, I was like, it's not that far, but if you don't know where you're going, you take the long way. Definitely. Yeah. Well, super excited to learn more how you got to central Florida. So let's take a step back, uh, getting our way back machine here and let's find out about track and coaching and education and how that all played and mentors of yours uh, that you've had along the way in your career. So take us back. When did you get into track uh, and where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in um, Virginia. I'm the daughter of a military father, but by the time, you know, I came around, you know, I, I was born in Leavenworth, Kansas, um, Fort Leavenworth. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I always have to say not the prison. There's only two things in Leavenworth, a prison or an army base, uh, army base. Okay. And then, you know, um, you know, we bounced around a couple places, but we ended up in, in Virginia and that's where I spent the majority of my life. Um, but honestly, track came late in my life. I started playing soccer at age three and I love soccer and that's what I did. I played select soccer and, you know, the little travel league and whatever you do um, uh, all through elementary school and, and all of that. And going into high school, I thought I was gonna go out for the, you know, the high school 
uh, soccer team, but you know, they do those little presidential fitness awards back in the day. I don't know if they still do them, but you find out you're the fastest girl in the school. And so then they say, hey, why don't you race the fastest boy? And then you guys race and then you guys actually tie. And then, then it's like, you know, this was like in seventh grade, I think. And then they were just kind of like, hey, why don't you um, come out for the uh, seventh, eighth grade track meet? And I'm just like, yeah, you know, I'm still going to play soccer. I don't know about this track thing. Um, you know, mind you, along the way, my mom's put me in every, I've tried every sport possible. Like I did soccer, but I tried gymnastics. I was on the swim team, tennis team, awesome. everything. Um, she just believe in trying everything <laughs> yeah. to figure out what you're good at. And then, um, so I went out and I, I remember the first time in seventh grade, I jumped like 15 something in the long jump. And I was like, all right, cool, whatever. So then the next year they asked me to come back out for the eighth grade track meet. And then I went back out and I jumped like 16, nine. And they were like, I think you're, gonna be okay in this track thing and so I was like gonna try to do track and soccer but they're at the same time but I went out for track practice and I remember after the warm-up and one day of practice I was like man I don't know about this track thing this is this, this is a lot of running you know and um but somehow I ended up staying uh staying with track and and dropping soccer and and that was the beginning of my track journey so I really consider myself only starting track in ninth grade. Um, and um, we had a pretty, a pretty good team. And, you know, my first year was a little rough in ninth grade, but by my sophomore year, we won, we won state and defeated, um, uh, at the time it was called JHW, which was Jeff Jefferson Huguenot with, which was a huge uh, team had Don Sowell on it and everything like that. So oh, wow. we were, it was pretty monstrous for us to win state that in the back in 1985, I'm telling you how old I am. <laughs> I um, did not ask that question. That's yeah. never a question I asked. <laughs> but um, they, um, they had never been beaten before. They were a tough team in the state of Virginia to beat, but uh, I actually won a state title in the long jump, I think that year. Um, and as a sophomore and, I guess I kind of took up a love for track from there. It's interesting. You said that, you know, your kind of first uh, reaction to track was like, this is a lot of running. Yeah. Uh, and admittedly, I don't know a lot about soccer, but yeah, I've seen a few. There's a lot of running in soccer as well. Is it just the yeah, distraction I, of the ball and the goal? I think so. And I, you know, I played left wing. So, you know, I looked at it like, you know, I'd sprint down the field, you know, kind of get the ball, kind of booted across the field or something like that. And, you know, I don't know the back and forth. Um, and then, you know, you get out and get a little break, but it, you know, in track, it just seemed like by the time you do the warm up, all the drills, then you've got the interval work. It just seemed like way more than me just running up back and down the field. But yeah, when I look at it now, I'm like, yeah, soccer has a lot of running in it too. But as a, as an eighth grader, ninth grader, I was kind of like, oh man. You know? I think there's a lesson there. You know, you get, um, I'm gonna say distracted in soccer of the ball and the goal. Like there's a, you're not running to run, you're running to do something. Yeah. And then if you think about track, what is some of the, where the magical uh, times and breakouts happen a lot of times is in relays, right? Yeah. And I think there's that distraction of relays of like, okay, not only do I have a baton, but I, yeah. I have a mission. Like I have to get the baton to my teammate or I have to get the right. baton. You know, there's, there's a, it's different than just the interval workouts and yeah. speed workouts and things like that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it, and you know, and then as we progressed on and we became a better team, 
you know, the coaches started saying, Hey, in the fall, you have to, you have to be doing something um, or running. And, yeah. And they said, well, you got a choice across country or, you know, you find another sport. So I picked up field hockey. Cause I asked my health teacher, I was like, there's no way I'm running cross country. That's too much running. So I, I learned how to play field hockey and became a starting uh, left wing on the field hockey team, my junior year in, in high school. So I actually got a couple uh field hockey offers, but, uh, that wasn't really what I wanted to do. Wow. Yeah. I was wondering if we were going to hear cross. I was like, wait a minute, this cross country doesn't seem like it's going to play in here. Field no. hockey. That seems it. Yeah. No, I, I, I was just like, my health teacher was the field hockey coach. I was like, Hey, can, can I come out and try out for the field hockey team? Cause I'm not running cross country. It's just not, it's not going to happen. Hide me from the cross country coach, please. Yeah. <laughs> we used to be the, you know, the spring group, you know, when we had the warm up and there would be those long warm ups. you know, I, I will admit we used to be the ones, um, that would run around the building and then, you know, kind of take a duck in the building for a little while and then come back out. Cause you know, the mileage um, for me was not agreeable. <laughs> I, I think the statute of limitations is over. So if coach <laughs> is potentially here in this, you can't, no punishment. It's over. Yeah. Sorry, coach Digby, coach Dendorf. I cheated on some of my uh, warm up runs there in high now, school. Yeah. Is that, so that leads me to ask, do you have any sympathy, empathy for any athletes that do that to you now? Um, well, you know, I don't really do that to them. Like sure. their warm up is literally a couple laps with some dynamic stuff. Um, you know, I don't, I don't make them run All the right. miles that, that, that I had to run. And, uh, you know, even looking back in my first couple years of college, I mean, that first two weeks was crazy. When I think about it as a jumper, the amount of running that I, that I did, we did, you know, I was running two and a half miles three times a week and four and a half miles the other time, the other two days a week for the first two weeks. That was our conditioning, you know? So, um, so I don't really have much sympathy because I did way worse. So no. <laughs> That's the way to look at it. I like that. I like that. I, I love your variety of sports background. You, you mentioned yeah. mom, you know, tennis and soccer and field hockey. Swimming yeah. too. I was Swimming. like, if yeah. track were out of it, if we didn't have track anymore, uh, what do you think would have been your, your sport? I probably would have just stuck with soccer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, although the swim coach thought I had a mean backstroke and he really thought I could be good, but I was like, once again, the warm up dang near killed me. I was like, wait, this is just the warm up, and then we have the workout, and then they, you know, it was two a days. They were coming back. Mm. You know, me and my, I have short burst um, of energy. I don't have that long endurance. Mm. Like I got, you know, I'm good for 30, 40 meters, and you know, the hundred was a stretch for me. You know, but uh, I, you know, I did whatever my coach asked. The four by four, it wasn't pretty, you know, but you just do whatever. But um, in reality, that wasn't my area of specialty. <laughs> I, I was uh, a speed power, short, short, short speed power person. <laughs> when I was uh, coaching at Ball State, I was uh, dating one of our swim coaches. That was the first time I'd been in a program that had swimming and diving. So it was mm -hmm. the first time I went to a swim meet. And you know, I've grew up and my whole life has been track. And, you know, we can complain about the length of track meets and all that stuff. A swim meet <laughs> or match, whatever we call it. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Uh, hot, stuffy, you know, it's humid as all get out, at least where we were. And forever. And, you know, the hundred meter dash, if you will, for swimming still takes like minutes. I mean, oh my <laughs> Lord. Yeah. I, um, I, I can't do the swimming 
and diving thing. I can do the highlights from the Olympics and that's about it. I, I'm kind of like how we complain about people for track. That's how I am yeah. for swimming, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I have a, I had a whole new respect for swimming after that. Not, and not, not to mention it was just heck on a black woman's hair, but I was just like, that was a lot of work. And ever since then, when people talk about swimming, I'm like, that's gotta be one of the tougher sports. Mm. I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of swim. That's mm. a lot of work. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You mentioned winning a state title and the long jump uh, your sophomore year. What, uh, besides natural talent, because you mentioned jumping 15 and 16 as a seventh and eighth grader, what drew you to the jumps over hurdles or sprinting or any of the other events? Well, let me, let me take that back. I, I, I long jumped, but they also threw me in the hurdles too. And I think I, I, nice. I, um, ran decent enough in the hurdles that they kept me in the hurdles. And, uh, I was one of those people that it was just like, I did a lot of events at one point in time, honestly, my mom had to step in because I think, you know, I was up to like seven events because I was the district champion in the high jump. It wasn't very high, but you know, five, wow. one as a ninth grader. Cause I just was playing around in practice. Oh, I bet you I could high jump. And I, and I, you know, I tried it and they were like, I think she can, you know, so you do that. And then, you know, I did long jump. I did hundred hurdles. I did the hundred dash, okay. the 200, the 300 hurdles. And I was on all the relays. I was just kind of one of those people that would just do whatever. Um, and, you know, I laugh because um, I talk about myself, but I remember um, I went to high school with Alan Johnson and Alan Johnson came out um, and I'll never forget. He was in this little LA Rams jersey. He's probably gonna be mad at me for telling this story, but the kid could do everything. I mean, he could high jump, he could long jump, he could triple jump and, and hurdle. And he was just like a, a stud. You just knew he was gonna be something special. But um, I obviously didn't have his talent, but uh, we were kind of in the same, like, you know, those, those people that just tried everything. And then um, my junior year, um, I tried triple jump and um, we went to the, this is how old I am. We went to the Pathmark Indoor Nationals. Um, I don't know if you remember, they used to have, it, it's probably now the equivalent of New Balance, but Pathmark was a grocery store chain and they were the sponsors of the national champions. I still have my ring and everything, you know, but it used to be the Pathmark Nationals indoors. Um, I, I can't even remember where it was, if it was in New York or Princeton somewhere. I, I, I can't remember the exact location, but, um, and I went up there and I was going really for the long jump. Um, and I think I jumped uh, 1911 indoors uh, at that meet, but um, I tried the triple jump for the first time and uh, I laughed, but I, I jumped 32, 32 feet in the triple jump, never having done it, right? And then we go to the next meet uh, and I jumped 38 feet in the triple jump. And then, um, you know, my, uh, my, my senior year, I, I outdoor, I, I started figuring the triple jump out. And that maybe that was my senior year. I, I don't remember, but um, I remember I went to districts, I jumped 40 foot 10. And then I went to regionals, I jumped 41 10. And then I went to state and I jumped 42 9. And I think it just got broken by um, Tatiana Marsh about two or three years ago, whatever year she is in at Georgia, <laughs> she broke my record her senior year, but it lasted for like 30 something years. So I just wish I had more time with the triple jump. Um, Cause even in college, it, you know, it, I went to the trials in 92 and it still wasn't an official event in the, um, in, in the Olympics. So yeah, that still boggles me. We, we <laughs> recently had uh, Karen Dennis on the show and, you know, talking about 
the uh, opportunities available to women uh, in a lot of cases also opportunities that were I shouldn't say were available were not available to women but also to um, uh, uh, men and women of minority status as well she gave us the example when she was growing up for basketball they only let them play half court that blew my mind and you know it made me think about on the track side you know you mentioned triple jump not being a part of the olympics it, it wasn't that long ago uh we just got pole vaulting steeplechase and even hammer for women which yeah. i mean it boggles my mind <laughs> well you know as a kid um like i said i felt like triple jump really could have been my thing and then when i went to college because it wasn't really official it was a secondary event but i think that was my better event but i remember as a junior going to the junior nationals in in towson maryland in 1986 and that was the first time they had a world junior team mm -hmm. and i won the triple jump and i jumped like 40 foot four or something like that um because i had a bad day in the long jump and i didn't make the team so i was like okay i'm gonna go and you know so i and i go and i win the triple jump and I'm so excited, but they don't take me because the triple jump's not an official event. So I missed out on being part of that world junior, that first world junior team. And that was a, a star studded uh, event. There was a lot of people on that team that went on to be Olympians and stuff. And I just hate that I missed out on that opportunity. And then obviously my senior year, I was, I was a little hurt. So I didn't, I didn't get to um, make the team again, but it is what it is. I'm so impressed. I'm glad that you grew up in Virginia as far as like high school and such. Because, um, you know, Virginia is one of those states where, you know, it's not a populous state like a Florida and a Texas and California. But man, are there some athletes? I didn't know Alan. First of all, I didn't know Alan Johnson came from Virginia. Second of all, I did not know you were high school teammates with him. That's yeah. awesome. I love that. Uh, yeah. None of my teammates are of Alan <laughs> Johnson. You know, they, they we're all bums in the world now for my high school teammates. Um, Alan is actually the person who like, like that's how I fell in love with the hurdles. Like Alan oh. was my first like idol. Like oh yeah, that guy's a stud. I'm gonna watch his yeah. whole career. You know that's yeah, that's so cool. I love that. So how did uh, obviously you're you know you're talking about jumping 40 foot plus in the triple jump, which is you know even today is, is a big standard to make. You jump 40. Uh, you mentioned 19, uh, 11, 19 high in the long jump. Where was college? And uh, spoiler alert, you end up going to University of Virginia. Was it always gonna go to University of Virginia, or did you look elsewhere? No. I mean, obviously I, I got recruited, you know, at first I thought I was going to go as far away from home as possible. At first I wanted to go to Stanford. I was like, I'm going West Coast completely. Then I realized that's probably not going to happen, um, you know, in terms of uh, just, um, I'll be honest, I, I just wasn't for filling out the applications early and everything like that. I, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I, I really wasn't. I was like, by October, I was like, man, I don't think so. Um, so that, you know, but I, I got recruited by University of Texas, um, Illinois, um, Florida State. I mean, I, I, I talked to a, a lot of, of great coaches. Um, and then, um, honestly, I, I really kind of wanted to go to LSU and then, um, you know, but I don't know, something happened and we didn't get that home visit done. And so I don't know, um, you look back and it's just like, well, it is what it is, but, um, you know, and then my senior year, I got, I got hurt and I, oh, University of Houston, Tom Telez, um, oh, yeah. you know, and uh, I remember I was excited. I was going to get to meet Carl Lewis on my, on my visit. Cause I went to my visit on at University of Houston and Leroy Burrell and um, well, also co-hosted yeah. with Yolanda, Yolanda Jones That's <laughs> as, funny. My, as, my, as my host. So Leroy and I have known each other a long time. Um, and, 
anyway, but, you know, so, and, and that was enticing because, you know, um, Tom, um, Tom Tellez said, Hey, you come here, I can make you an Olympian. That's like, you know, that's, you know, but, um, I was, it was a little too far away from home. I realized after going on these visits, um, that, uh, I was more of a homebody than I wanted to realize. Um, and, and honestly, I, I got hurt and some people, I tore my hamstring. I mean, I didn't like just pull it. I tore my hamstring oh. my senior year. Um, so, and that was indoors. And so when I jumped at 42.9, that was me coming off of not having, I got hurt at a Virginia Tech meet indoors. And then I was out for three months and that was me making a comeback. And, wow. um, but I appreciate those schools that stuck with me and still offered, you know, regardless of, of that situation. But at the end of the day, I went on my visit at, to Virginia and it felt like home. It was far enough away from home. Um, and it, uh, you know, it, it just felt like home. So I ended up canceling my visit to Illinois and, um, and Texas. Um, but wow. sometimes I think back, cause I remember coach Winkler saying to me, he's like, if you come to Illinois, I can kind of, I can make you a, a really good hurdler. But in my, at the time, I didn't want to hear about the hurdles because mm. I did hurdle. I mean, I, I wasn't the greatest, but I, I probably ran like 14-1 or something in the, in the hurdles. But, you know, like I said, I, I had a different, I just had a, a wide variety of, of events that I did. So um, some people were looking at me as a multi because I, like I said, I could high jump, long jump, um, sprint, and I could hurdle. I mean, you just have to teach me how to throw and mm-hmm. pray to God I could survive an 800. Um, but <laughs> so I don't know, Virginia just felt like home, but, um, you know, sometimes I wonder, I said, I wonder what I would have done if I focused on the hurdles, you know? Mm. Um, but when I got to Virginia, you know, it was just a situation, uh, where it was kind of like, well, choose what you want to do. You know, what do you want? I said, well, I'm going with the jumps, you know, and, um, kind of wish I'd stuck with the hurdles as well, but, um, you know, I was, I was having some injuries, but, uh, you know, um, I ended up sticking with the jumps and, you know, was, was relatively successful. So I'm surprised you mentioned multis. I was going to go that route. Like no one kind of moved you to that side, at least for training purposes, you know? Well, there was that, there was that discussion, but it was kind of like, you know, if you, if you ask me, then I was definitely not going to choose the multi, but I, but I wonder, you know, now I said, maybe I would have been pretty good. I, I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, hindsight is 2020. Um, but yeah, like I said, when I, if I looked at myself, if I was recruiting myself, I was like, man, she, she's got a wide variety of marks across the board. I probably would have looked at, you know, a possible, a possible multi, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't know. What uh, that's, that's always a good game to play. It's like, Hey, if you were recruiting yourself, <laughs> what, have you, what would you have said? But yeah, I, I mean, like for that. me, it's like, if you see somebody that's jumped 1911 indoors, 198 outdoors, 42 feet in the triple jump. 14, one in the hurdles. And then I'm only, I was only 12 flat and a hundred, you know, and stuff like that. So it's kind of like, I don't know, I probably would have made me a jump or two, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you know, you, you have those past possibilities. One of the best athletes I ever coached was from Virginia. Uh, she was a long jumper, triple jumper, uh, I had her at ball state and she was, you know, 17 and 37 or 36 out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I had her for her last two years or 
previous coach did an excellent job, got her up to about 20 feet and 40 and change. Uh, and, and this is a little bit like when you get older, your marks get better. So for me, yeah. uh, Patricia Soman, her marks keep getting better, but I think yeah. that her, I think we finished out her senior year. She ran or she jumped something like 22 feet and 44 feet. <laughs> and it's probably like 43 change and 20, but I mean, she was legit like yeah. all American and everything. Yeah. Um, and super, I thought, you know, split 52 point on the four by four and what have you. And never, like she could have done a multi, like she would have been yeah. really, really good, obviously. I mean, she was super fast and yeah, um, she was tall. So throw, you know, she'd have been okay in the, in the, in the uh, throws. But I think the same thing, she would have walked the 800. That would have just been, she was like, there yeah. was never, there would have never been a discussion about that. It'd be like, what, <laughs> it what is the, been ugly. <laughs> it's the heptathlon. What is the six event multi called? Cause that's what <laughs> she yeah. would have got into. Yeah. 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 Um, what were you studying while you're at U University of Virginia? And what was your thought as far as like a career? Like what was going to happen? You after know, and here's the God honest truth. Um, I got I, I was in I got into Virginia. Um, I started off as a psychology major. I thought I always wanted to be, you know, I, I laugh because I always say I wanted to be um, a, um, a psychiatrist or psychologist, something to help people. Um, and I'm not going to lie that my sophomore year that getting into that major, one of those classes took me out. And I was like, you know, I may need to rethink my life here. So um, <laughs> I ended up being a communication studies major, not really knowing what I was going to do with that. And let's be honest, that's probably the, the nice degree that a lot of athletes got at, at, at Virginia. Um, but one thing my dad had always told me, he was like, you know, Dana, it, it's they want to see that you can complete a task. You know, you get your college degree and you're going to be trained that you, you're, you're smart enough. They know once you graduate, you're smart enough to, to learn anything. They'll train you in whatever job you decide to be. Unless you just want to be a doctor or an architect or something very specific, you just need that college degree and you're going to sell yourself and, and find your find your way. And so I, I took that into to, uh, consideration as I was just like, okay, my, my degree from the University of Virginia is going to carry some weight and it's important that I graduate. And I did graduate in four years. I just went to one summer school. So I definitely um, took that opportunity to, to do the best that I could with that. But um, I really honestly did not have a single clue as to what I wanted to do once I switched my major. Huh. Um, you know, for a minute, I thought about sports broadcasting, but at that time I was too shy and I was like, there's no way I could, I know people find it hard for me to believe it. Yeah, I know. Okay. I'm, hold yeah. on. First of all, I want to give props to dad. I love his attitude. <laughs> about college and finishing and you know and really about your own self-worth meaning like you're you'll sell yourself you know they want to see yeah. that you completed a tap love dad's yeah. thought process there second of all wait a minute you were shy well look if, if i don't really know you i am shy like if i know you i'm definitely not shy i'm more comfortable in small groups and everything so i'm not you know, I have my little circle of people and I'm very outgoing, but if you put me, you know, no, I, that's why, have you noticed, I don't like to do a lot of these things. <laughs> I've gotten, I've gotten better, you know, but uh, I'd rather have a conversation with some friends than to, uh, you know, be in front of a million people talking and, and doing all that. So well, maybe I should take this as a huge compliment because I only know you as the outgoing smile, you know, I mean, that's, like well, that's you how I know you. Yeah. Like I said, that was in college. You grow and evolve. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, but I honestly did not know what I was going to do. And I can remember sitting on the track with my college coach at the time it was Gary Kinder. 
And I remember we were out training for the USA's or something like that. It was just he, uh, myself and, and him. And, um, and I told him, I said, man, I don't know how you're a coach. There's no way that I would ever put up with all these different attitudes. Like people come to practice and they, you know, they just in a bad mood and they take it all out on you. And I just like, I was like, man, there's no way I could be a coach now. Um, you know, fast forward. Right. <laughs> but see, I didn't go when I moved to middle Tennessee, I did not go to be a coach. I went with, this is what I told my parents. I said, I have an Olympic dream. I said, I jumped, I jumped 21, nine, I think as a, as a senior or whatever in college. And I was just like, I feel like if I can jump 21, 10, that's third place at the Olympic trials. And I have a shot to make the Olympic team. I said, I just need one opportunity. And I said, after I, after I try that, I promise I'll get a job and start my life. That's, that's what I said. So I said, so if you could just support me in my dream for a year, um, then I'll, I'll go start my life. And so, so that's what they did. So you go to Middle Tennessee State to do grad work, uh, and I assume maybe well, a grad assistant? I didn't go there to go to school. I didn't go there for anything other than to train. I went there because I met Charlie Simpkins at the New York meet in Randall's Island. And he said, hey, you should come down to Jump City and train with us. And I was like, well, I need somebody to train. I need a training group to train with. And um, so I packed up moving to Middle Tennessee for no other purpose other than for me to chase my Olympic dream. And so when I went down there, it was Charlie Simpkins, Gordon Lane, William Beasley, um, Letitia Beverly, myself, and... um, I see her face right now, Latasha Rogers. And so it was like three long jumpers and three male triple jumpers. And so that's why I moved to Middle Tennessee and I met Coach Hayes and we just hit it off and he kind of just took me under his wing and he told me you're going to grad school. And I said, I don't want to go to school anymore. You know, I was like, no, sir, I've had enough school. Like Virginia was hard enough. No, thank you. And he was like, eh, you know, you're going to want this graduate degree and uh, you can help me out with the team. And I was kind of like, but I don't want to. He's like, oh, trust me, this is what this is what you need to do. So as you can see, I was like, I'm glad there were people in my life that saw right. beyond what I could see. Um, and so, yeah, so he basically was like, OK, apply, take your GRE, apply for grad school and you're going to be my graduate assistant you know what and, a what a great definition of coach you know yeah. seeing something that you don't see that's what coaches do when they pour yeah. into their to their athletes and dean hayes being one of the um just all-time awesomest people and coaches that we have i, I bet you uh you were not the only one that he made do something that they didn't want to do it's like hey yeah you're oh. going to grad school uh you're going to do the triple jump uh you're going to go yeah. do this <laughs> Well, from that day, you know, we have a running joke. Um, His daughters are are my sisters, you know, he's daddy. Um, And when Mel Rosen was around, he was granddaddy. (laughs) It was just like, once he takes you under your wing, you're part of his family and you just become, I tell you this, he has not missed, um, since I've known him, he has not missed calling me on my birthday um, every year. He doesn't miss a beat. Um, We didn't actually get to talk this time this year, but usually we catch up. but he he doesn't miss a a, a beat but um he's amazing love him. yeah i'm 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 thankful because honestly i didn't think it was something that i wanted to do didn't think it was something i could do um and then the irony of me the, going to the grad work you're talking about coaching 
Coaching. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> remember, I said I didn't want to be a coach. I said right. I'm putting up with all of these attitudes and all of these people coming out here complaining all the time. So, um, and so the funny thing is, my high school coach Pete Bendor, he he taught me how to triple jump from Coach Hayes's book. So when I went down there and moved to train with him, he was like, "That's the guy that I taught. You know, that's where I got your drills from and stuff." Awesome. So it, it's kind of funny. It all goes full circle. Yeah, that's really funny. You know, we didn't have YouTube and Zoom calls and social no, media. You, read, you had, read books. You had to read a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You had to find that book, by the yeah, way. That wasn't the easiest thing in the world. That's awesome. So as you're going through grad school and you're, jump, you're training and jumping for the Olympic trials, is the, did coaching start becoming the profession at that point or was it still like nah this is just an ends to the means I'm here to train for the yeah trials. this was just the ends to the means you know I um I was getting school paid for um I was able you know um I, I was working I was working two jobs going to grad school and training so literally like I would work um writing parking tickets from um well I had Yes, from like six to nine, I had one little thing where I had to sit in the car and, and guard this parking lot and make sure nobody was getting in there. Then after that, I would go um, and I had to walk the campus and write parking tickets, um, you know, across. You the, were one of them. I was one of them, but you know, I was a oh reasonable my. one of them. I was kind of one of those like, all right, look, five, you got five minutes, get in. If you're just running in, you got five minutes, you don't come back out in five minutes tickets on your car but I I would reason with you you understand I would reason with you I didn't give everybody just a ticket for no reason but there um, are so many unpaid college specifically <laughs> tickets right now that yeah. uh, no reasonability was ever given for those <laughs> yeah I I agree so I didn't want to be one of those people I was like hey I need to work this job but, uh, so I did that in the morning and then I would go to um practice um, from like three to five and then I had grad school from six to you know six to nine or whatever and then I go to library from like nine to eleven and then I go to bed and do it all over again um, and then on the weekends I would work at Opryland in um, Nashville. Wow what'd you do more parking tickets? No no I worked in the souvenir shop <laughs> one of the, one of the souvenir shops at Opryland then I dropped both of those and I ended up um, working at the uh, um, grocery store. But, you know, so a lot of times it's hard for me to understand, you know, cause I, I, I worked hard for whatever dream I was chasing, you know, and I, sometimes I see all these kids get stuff pretty easily. And then when they complain, like, we don't get to do, I'm like, oh my God, you have no idea <laughs> what, what hard work really actually right. is. But, um, but anyway, um, yeah, so that that was my life. And so what happened for me was I was coaching and I was helping out. But yeah, I was training. I mean, like I said, Charlie, Charlie Simpkins um, was a great person to train with. He was, you know, we were paying him money and he was making our meals every day. And we were I mean, we had like, you know, I, I knew we were going to have good lunch and dinner he was cooking every day wow. and he'd go over there and eat and so we were we were doing our little training so I was trying to zone in on that so it was just you know a means to the end for me but then um and back then they had women's development and I don't know if you guys remember that but if you were like top five in the country and for women's development they would fly you different places um around the country to compete. And so that's how I was getting into meets and stuff wow. and going to um, Modesto relays or going to Mount Sac or something like that through women's development. And so 
I was jumping well and going into the trials, I felt like I had a legitimate shot of making, making the team. So, um, I went to the trials and, um, it Where, was in, it was in new Orleans, Orleans. in 92. Uh-huh. It was probably one of the hottest times uh-huh. ever experienced. Now, That's mind a- you, I was there two weeks cause we did the exhibition triple jump the week before. So oh, then wow. I had to stay another week cause the triple exhibition the long jump was, triple jump. Yeah. Yeah. So I was two weeks in New Orleans in that heat. But um, the day of the long jump, I'll never forget this. It it was already hot. It was already 90 plus degrees. Then we had a thunderstorm and it just poured down rain as we were warming up for the jumps. Mm. And then it stopped. And the sun came out and you could just see the heat coming off the track. Cause now, now it's like a hundred degrees with a hundred percent humidity. And it's just Muggy. like this hot box, but that was the most miserable I've ever been. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, and I, I remember I had gotten my hair done and it was a mess now. Cause I got rained on. I was like, Oh, well, you know, you just throw that out the window. But uh, I went out there and I remember on my first jump, um, I, that was the farthest, I, I never open up big, you know, and I'm usually never a person that fouls. I'm usually behind the board or on the board. And, and I, I, um, I think I was behind the board or I don't know if I hit the board, but I opened up like jump like 20 foot nine. So I was like, oh man, I'm on today. Like we're gonna, we're gonna jump big. <laughs> and boy, my second jump, I know coach said, hey, just back it up a little bit, whatever. And I think I must have just pushed it a little bit too hard. I should have just maintained my rhythm. But I went down there. My foot hit that board. And I don't know if you remember when they used to do plasticine. Mm-hmm. Um, and my foot hit. And my spikes didn't stick in. And like my, that foot slid across the plasticine. And my ankle rotated around, um, you know, almost all the way around. And I went and I landed face first in the in the sand so i i got hurt and they carted me off and um you know i felt like i was the agony of defeat on that you know the cbs (laughs) thrill of victory and then that was the agony of defeat but uh i I remember being in the airport and everybody's like oh were you that girl that got hurt in the long i was like yes that was that was me um but that's when my life changed because those two years of trying to come back from injury that's when coaching became a reality because mm-hmm. obviously what was I doing with my time while I was trying to make a comeback, I was still working with the team. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, out of, out of that misery became actually came my career. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I didn't know about the injury. Like uh, you talked about, they carted you off. So like t- ligaments, broken bone I, you know what um when i went to the doctor he said i almost wish you had broken your bones because it would heal faster i tore every ligament in my foot possible wow. and so it was a and and then they were never the same he was like ligaments take forever to heal and so he was just like you would have been better off breaking your foot you know but um oh. it just was a long painful process and then it was to the point where i was back and i remember I don't remember. I was at one of those indoor nationals. I can't remember where it was. And I knew that I could only, I was only going to get one jump off pain-free because once you mm. take off and hit it, now it's going to be throbbing and it's going to be painful after that. Like you can still jump, but you just, your pain tolerance, you just have to suck it up and go. Right. But I only had one chance to jump, like, you know, and, and I took a couple jumps and I just remember going over to coach Hayes and I said, I think this is it. I'm just going to, 
I'm just going to hang it up. And I remember him just giving me a hug and he said, yeah, it's probably time because, you know, it was two years of trying to make it work and it just, it just didn't, it it did not happen. I'm always amazed. Uh, I knew your phone was going to ring. You're too important and busy. (laughs) I put it on silent. I I don't know why. I tried to silence everything. I'm always amazed at when high level athletes, the decision point of when it's time to the quote unquote, hang them up you know, how that decision comes. Cause you know, we, we've seen in some other sports, you know, people compete way past their prime. Like, yeah, man, you should have, you know, retired five years ago. You didn't need these last five years and taken away your legacy. Um, but that, that decision point has to be hard because it's up to that point. It's quote unquote, all you've known is competing yeah. and practicing and preparing uh, to, to have that decision at one point of like, this is the last jump that, that jump I just took. That was the yeah. last jump. I will ever have taken in a competitive scenario. Yeah, that that definitely was a tough, um, that was a tough pill to swallow because, you know, you were that close to uh, an Olympic dream. um, And it was, it really was a reality. Like I'm, I'm such a realist. I'm not one of those people like, you know, if I was, you know, jumping 20 feet low or whatever, I would have been like, hey, you know, but uh, I was, I was in the mix. And so I was like, I had a legitimate shot. So I I just hate that it fell short. But, you know, I always tell people the irony of it all was I I missed the Olympic um, games and all of that. But in 96, I went to the Olympic games just in a different capacity. And so I, I, um, by working at Middle Tennessee, I also, um, Dr. Whitehill got me into uh, drug testing. (laughs) And so I used to be that person that would show up at people's house and say, hey, surprise, we're here for drug testing. I mean, I got, I went to Lawrence Johnson's house one time with uh, in in Knoxville with uh, Dr. Whitehill and and he was having a band session. It was 11 o'clock at night. I have no idea why we were going there at 11 o'clock. It was, it was like late 10 or 11 o'clock and they were about to have a jam session. So we had to just sit there, you know, well, he was rocking out until he, he had to, till he had to go. We collected the sample and then we left, you know, now, but uh, let's look at this history parking ticket, um, officer, I'll call you for like yeah. term, attendant, whatever drug tester. I mean, these are some yeah. of the, you know, we, uh, I hate to say we look down on these positions, but you know, we, we, Hey, I'm so it glad, is what it is. I'm so glad you made up for it by being the best profession you can be a track coach. So that's, you, you, you know, you kind of overcompensated and done that. <laughs> you know, for me, it was fun and I didn't look at it in no way. And so, like I said, I got selected to, to be a drug escort at the 96 Olympics. So I was there on the track and I got to see Michael Johnson set those records in person. I got to escort the Olympic gold medalist um, for the women's triple jump. And here's the, I always tell the story because it's funny because people don't believe me, but like, so, you know, they have a translator or whatever. And so she won and I said, well, hey, we got 30 minutes to report to the, you know, the thing, you know, after you. So I had to follow them around. And the funny thing is I'm looking at this Olympic gold medalist and the first thing she wants to do is her and her coach and her doctor, they go smoke a cigarette. And I'm like, you just win an Olympic medal. And they, they, the first thing she wants to do is smoke a cigarette. So she smoked one and then they let her have two. She wanted the third one. They had to cut her off at three. Holy cow. Like, okay. Yeah. I was like, we need to go get drug tested now. Like, come on, let's go. Um, but yeah, I got to escort Gwen Torrance as well. And after oh, she wow. won it, so I was laughing because I think my parents or my family saw me on TV because, you know, she's being interviewed and I have to stand right next to her, make sure, you know, so I was on TV a lot. People were hitting me up like, so I kind of got my little Olympic 
on the, you know, a different way, but I got to be a part of the Olympics in, wow. um, in different ways. So I <laughs> will treasure that memory forever. It wasn't the way I wanted it, but it is yeah. what it is. That's awesome. Well, that's a, that's a great attitude to have, you know, I mean, you, you, you know, we talk about this a lot. There's this, there's decision points in your life and you can go one way or the other. That means your attitude as well. Right. So yeah. after the disappointment with the injury and the comeback, you, you know, you could have taken a very poor attitude about it. What was me? And, um, you know, track sucks and all this kind of stuff. And I'm going to go probably did for a little while. do something else. Uh, but instead, I love this attitude of like, you know, I was going, I was gaming for the 96 Olympics as an athlete, uh, fate or whatever you believe and think in didn't happen that way, but I was still able to be involved and contribute to the, to the Olympics. That's, that's a great attitude. That's a great lesson there as we go through a lot of things and disappointment with, uh, obviously missing track seasons with COVID and, uh, athletes, uh, that, you know, that get injured that, um, you know, we didn't plan on, obviously, that's a great attitude of like, you know, contribute in some form or fashion it may not be how you originally thought, Yep. but contribute. Yep. Wow. So what, uh, where did you go after Middle Tennessee State? And now is the coaching bug there? You're, you're a coach now? Well, yeah. So I mean, you know, and the, and the thing about it was, I had to coach the men too. And that, that was, that was interesting, because, you know, I, here I was a 20, 22, probably, you know, somewhere between 21, 23 year old um, female trying to coach men for the first time in her life. And so, you know, I, I had to, you know, I had to have some, you know, we butted heads and there definitely was some um, issues, but, you know, coach, coach Hayes was very supportive and he always he always told me that you're a coach. You're not a men's coach. You're not a women's coach. You're a coach. So you coach, you coach whoever, you know? So that was the attitude. And he was supportive of me being a men's coach. And it took a little while, but then after a while, you know, those guys became my protectors, you know, like, Hey, nobody messes with my coach, you know, but you, you had to, you had to have, you know, butt heads a little bit and kind of, you know, uh, you know, stake, stake your claim a little bit. And they it had to, you had to earn their respect. And so, um, after that, I, I enjoy coaching both men and, and women. Um, and so from there, I, um, I got a phone call from my former college coach, uh, Coach Kraft. He was at the University of South Carolina as the head coach um, there. And he asked me to come and um, be his restricted earnings coach. And I think mm. people he remembers restricted earnings yeah. coaches, the yeah. ones that couldn't make any money or get any benefits. Yeah, yeah. The, what Those a positions. terrible fallacy in NCAA world for profession. I mean, what a just terrible, yeah. terrible. Yeah. You, well, you, you said Coach Kraft, or are you talking about Greg Kraft or Greg Kraft? Yeah. yeah he was my college awesome. coach for two years until he left to go to University of South Carolina. Wow. So then, if you you know, years later when I was at Middle Tennessee, he called me up and asked me to be you know. Okay. Um, come come to South Carolina he had called me once before and I told him no the first time so then he called me a second time and I was mm -hmm. like well you know what now he's calling me a second time maybe I better maybe I better go <laughs> may know? not be a third <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I I left middle Tennessee after two years and I went to South Carolina and I had intentions of staying at South Carolina um it just was uh somehow my my degree plan didn't didn't transfer over like we thought it was going to be. I only had two classes left. And mm. so, um, so I, I uh, went to South Carolina, but I was only there a year because I was like, if I stay longer, I'm never going to finish my degree mm. and I can't not finish 
something that I started in terms of something like that. So, um, but, you know, I went to South Carolina and uh, I tell you, Coach Craft is a, a, a guy that he teaches you the hard way, but you appreciate it, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I've told the story before about how, uh, you know, I didn't have any experience really, you know, with the administrative side of coaching. You know, Coach Hayes told me at the time, he said, you need to have your degree because I don't even know what it was, but back then for a minor- minority woman, female, you needed your graduate degree. And that was the only way you were going to be put in the rotation of, of getting jobs. That was the initiative. That's what they were pushing. So um, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to finish my degree as well. Um, but I went to South Carolina and, um, you know, he, he comes in and he drops the budget on my desk and says, figure it out. And I'm like, huh? and I'm like what do you mean like the whole budget you know like but it was the it was the travel the travel Mm -hmm. portion so I was supposed to figure out how much everything was going to cost and so I did all of that without asking you know because you know he just struck me as a type of person like don't ask me any questions just figure it it out right (laughs) and in some ways I I now respect that so much more at the time I was like I can't believe he just did you know but um um so anyway, and then I, I figured it out and I took it back to him. And then he looked it over. He came back. He dropped it on my desk and said, there's a mistake. Didn't tell me what the mistake was. He just said, there's a mistake. I said, well, you know what? So I had to Thanks, go through coach. And I figured it out um, <laughs> that I didn't, like one of the meets, I didn't put the hotel days for two days, you know? Um, so I, I didn't have enough money in there. So whatever, but you know, I, at the time I was like, I can't believe he's doing it. But, you know, looking back, I'm like, he was just teaching me how to be self-sufficient, problem solve and figure out, you know, um, that, you know, I did have the smarts to figure out, know what to do. You know, someone doesn't always have to tell you what to do. So yeah, there's a um, lot of, a lot of trust in that. Right. Like, I mean, on one hand, it's, well, I'm sure he harsh, was going to always micro, you know, but go it's back also and trust it. on it though. Yeah. 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 Hmm. I think, I think he was just trying to help me out in terms of preparing me um, mm-hmm. because there's no way he was going to just let me be responsible for the budget. I think mm-hmm. he was just trying to see, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, maybe how you reacted to it, maybe yeah. pushed back or something. Yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. And, you know, at the same time, I came there not really knowing what to expect. Obviously I was his assistant, but uh, I laughed because, and, and he'll probably laugh at this too, but he gave me three athletes that uh, to be honest, he probably just didn't want to coach. <laughs> And there was, you know, a a young lady that, you know, hadn't jumped well in a while. And then there was one, you know, walk on guy. And then, you know, there was another girl that was a transfer that was just like a little walk on or whatever. And so he gave me those three. I worked with him for everything else, but I had these three specifically that I did the technical work for and everything like that. And, uh, you know, I I appreciate the opportunity because it kind of, I think he knew that like I'm really competitive. And so I really feel like he didn't think I could do anything with these kids. So I think it just kind of gave me a little motivation. <laughs> and so it was funny because um, the girl ended up, the long jumper ended up scoring, getting eighth place and getting a point. And my high jumper ended up finishing um, either fourth or fifth. And he was like, I can't believe <laughs> you got wow. them to score in the SEC. Cause remember this South Carolina was in the SEC. And that year we finished fourth, which was the highest at the time that South Carolina had finished. But um, we had contributed our little points. And he was like, he was actually, he actually said that to me. He's like, I can't believe you got those guys to score. And I was just like, so for me, it was like motivation. Like you said, I can't do it. So I'm gonna figure out how. Yeah, I was gonna ask you how, so, you know, uh, almost up to this point, your, 
self-worth was wrapped into how far you jumped. Like that was how you yeah. felt proud about what you were doing yeah. and how you're doing it. Now you get a, a positive feedback for something you've poured into other people and how they performed. How did that make you feel in relationship to the previous positives? What, you know, your own actions? Well, I mean, it, it's just like a new, a new outlet, you know, and um, you know, and, and then I had to find my way recruiting wise. And, um, and I don't know, maybe Coach Shaver remembers this or not, but he was at Auburn at the time. But I remember him saying like, I'm trying to figure out who this Dana Boone is. Cause he's like, everybody I'm talking to is talking, you know, cause when I was at South Carolina, so, you know, I, I fought a good fight on some kids and, you know, some I won out on and some I didn't, you know? Um, uh, and, and so, it was it was a learning curve for me to like you're transitioning now your competitive nature into you know your sport so I, I remember that I don't know if he'll remember that but I remember him saying something to me about uh you know because we were bumping heads a lot in recruiting because he was at Auburn at the time and I, I was at South Carolina not really knowing what I'm doing I'm just calling everybody talking you know so um sometimes we, it's good that uh yeah. and not necessarily using this word with your example there, but the naivety of like, you know, people that you're supposed to call and yet you're yeah. not, you know, some people are supposed to go yeah. to this school and not this school. And you're just like, ah, I'm just, if yeah. you're good, I think you should be in our conference and I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to try it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was fun. So I, I, I take South Carolina as a big learning curve in a lot of ways. Um, had to do a lot of meat management and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, you know, but I was there at a very um, interesting time. Like I said, you know, um, had uh, Larry Larry Judge was there, and we had oh, yeah. um, uh, Don Ellerby. Uh, mm -hmm. The throws were were killing it in that in that conference, and you know it it was just a it was a good time, um, and I learned a lot in that year. But not wanting to leave something undone, I left, and I went back. I called Coach Hayes up, and I said, "Hey." <laughs> can I come back? <laughs> because I need to finish my degree. Mm. And he was like, yeah, you can come back. And, um, you know, uh, I came back and, and I mean, I, when I, when he hired me, um, cause remember I was a graduate assistant at first, I came back and I was part-time and I was literally getting $500 a month. That's what I was getting. And so that's, that's actually when I was working at the grocery store. So I was getting the $500 mm -hmm. and then I work at the grocery store from like six to 12 or six to one or something every day mm -hmm. to, to make ends meet. Um, and then I was training. Um, and then a year later, um, I was hired as his first full-time assistant. I was his first paid full-time assistant um, in, in the history of the program. Like for really? 32 years, he hadn't had a paid assistant. So I became his first one. And uh, I think I was making like $20,000. That, that was that was that a was big, uh, big pay raise. Big pay raise for $500. <laughs> You're so rich. I, you know, like, yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> so, and so I, I did finish my degree. I took those two classes and I Good. continued um, to coach. Um, while I was while I was there, um, I was to do some research. I wonder. Uh, it has to be phenomenal. Uh, Dean Hayes' coaching tree. So the people that came yeah. through, whether they're athletes and they went on to coach, or assistant coaches or grad assistants that went on and coach. Um, you know, just for longevity, there's going to be some interesting. But you know, his his actual teaching and motivation of people to become coaches and how they coach that that would be an interesting yeah. 
project. And like I said, I, I appreciate that he saw something in me because like I said, there was a couple other people there too in the same boat. He could have chosen anyone, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, I'm thankful that he saw something. He saw something in me and yeah, his coaching tree does go a long way. Mm -hmm. You just never know. He's connected to a, a lot of, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people. So, and, and you know, his, uh, not to get off subject here about Dean, um, but you know, his memory is amazing. Yeah. You know, we, we had a kid at Troy that transferred up to Middle Tennessee State, uh, and I was a lowly student coach. You know, I was nobody. And he still, every time we talk every year, kind of like you, we, we catch up every year, he will tell me how that athlete's doing. Like, oh, yeah, they're a police officer now in this yep. town. And it's like, you, you've had thousands of athletes, Dean. How do you remember yep. this one that was connected to me? It's it's quite amazing. Nope. quite amazing. So where yep. did the journey take us after Middle Tennessee State? Um. So, um just to mention when I was at South Carolina, Ron Basil was at army and he had come to a meet down there and he just saw me working. He saw me hustling. I was doing everything. I was moving hurdles. I was raking pits. I was organizing officials. So I remember him calling me and offering me a job at army. And I was like, I don't think that's my MO. Like I'm not a military, I'm a military child, but yeah. I am not going to hmm. A military academy i don't there's, there's just too many rules i think for me. so um so i passed on that and i went back to middle tennessee and mm -hmm. so i was at middle tennessee um and you know i was kind of getting the itch and i was like coach hayes i've been under your wing and it's time for me to fly you know and and you know and he's like well you know i'm gonna retire one day and i want you to take over the program i'm like yeah but you know there's no telling when that retirement good thing i didn't listen <laughs> isn't that funny what if you'd have been like okay yeah you'll retire in five years and here we are many many yeah. years and that means i've been coaching 30 years i'll just say that now. still going strong <laughs> <laughs> that's why i said no i gotta go fly and, and and spread my wings so if you're I, going to middle tennessee state today and dean tells you hey i'm gonna retire soon don't believe don't, him. don't man, believe it uh -uh. i always kid around with us and man they're gonna have to pull you off that track they just you just go that's where you're gonna be and they're just gonna have to remove you yes. from the <laughs> I think if he's not coaching, that's what'll kill him. You know? Yes. Yeah. I, yes. Guy. And Absolutely. He's super, he's super, super competitive, loves, loves this sport, loves to recruit. And uh, mm -hmm. he's still sharp and not at it. So mm -hmm. let him have it. So, um, so where did you spread your wings to? I spreaded my wings to, where did I go from? Uh, oh, I got, I got a call from Ron Basil called me back up and he brought me to Tulane. Okay. Yeah. Back to the, the mugginess. Yes. I went back to the mugginess, the scene of the crime. Yeah. I went back, yeah. back to New Orleans um, and spent two years there. Um, it was a fun time at Tulane. Um, it was, uh, we won two championships. Um, we, uh, we were there. Our football team went 12 and 0 under Tommy Bowden. It was, oh, wow. it was a crazy time. I remember one time walking out the building and ESPN, all these people are there and I'm like, no, it's just me. They were looking for Tommy cause they were trying to figure out if he was going to stay or not after this 12 and 0 right. season and all of it, you know, waiting for this press conference. And, but I remember he gave me some advice. He said, he said to me, he said, um, Tom, this, this was is Tommy. Yeah, Tommy yeah. Bowden. Uh -huh. This is one of the cool things when I worked at Tulane. Everybody was super friendly. Like mm. I could go over to the football office and just go in there and be like, hey guys, what's up? You know, and talk to everybody. So I felt like um, it was a real unique time at Tulane. Everybody mm. was kind of, we we're all in that little athletic department and all pretty, um, pretty friendly. But he said, now he said, don't stay here longer than two years. He said, use this as a stepping stone, get win and get out. 
That's what he told me. Hmm. And so it was two years and we had one. So I was like, I gotta go, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so um, I remember I applied at, uh, at George Mason for the head job and I, I didn't get it. I, I came down to me and one other person and the, obviously the other person got it. Then um, I applied for the Kentucky job um, assistant and didn't know that Dean Hayes was somehow connected to the head coach. And I just applied, not even thinking anything about it. And all of a sudden I'm top candidate and they're flying me in and I'm like, oh gosh, you know, and they, they offered me the job, but I don't know, something in my spirit, it just wasn't the right fit, wasn't the right time for me. So I, so I passed. Um, and so I just decided, hey, I'm going to stay at Tulane and do the best that I can do. Um, and then- um, Now, hold on, let's explore this for a little bit because this is interesting. So- you applied for the George Mason head job. Did you did you feel like you were ready to be a head coach or was that no. just another job? Like it was another opportunity. And I don't mean that to disrespect George Mason, just be like, you know, if it had been an assistant coaching job, maybe you would have applied there. Right. Was it just the, an opportunity or what, what was it? With well, about I, I don't really know what I was thinking back then because I probably was not ready to be a head coach, mm -hmm. but it was close to home, you know, mm. I mean, George Mason was 20 minutes from my house. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. You know? So I was just like, I can go back home and, you know, kind of, um, you know, and then I, I didn't really even know I was going to be a finalist. So I just applied, not mm. really knowing. And then when, when the reality hit, I was like, oh, shoot, uh -oh. Man, I'm really ready to be a head coach. I was like, oh, okay, well, let me go on this interview. Like I, and honestly, at the time, I didn't know how to interview for a head coaching job. I was like, wow, okay. Um, so, um, anyway, but yeah, so, well, and I also like part of the, that journey there is, you know, Kentucky and a lot of times in our profession, you know, we look at division one and maybe even more specifically power five schools as the quote unquote dream jobs. You know, we hear yeah. about, you know, the covetness and there's not many of them and they don't come open very often per se as an aggregate. Um, but you had some, maybe uh, I'll call it self-awareness of like, you know what? This, just not right now. Maybe yeah. this isn't the right fit. And I don't think we sometimes think about fit. We think about fame. We think about having yeah. that Kentucky name behind us or the SEC name yeah. behind us. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a huge pay raise <laughs> for me at the time. Um, but the money wasn't everything. Something just didn't feel right for me. There was nothing mm -hmm. wrong with the job. It just wasn't a good fit for me. Yeah. So I I, you know, I was a praying person. I just kind of said, let me just uh, sit here for a minute. And yeah. so that's what I decided to do. And then honestly, I, out of the blue, that's where I got a call from for University of Texas. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, oh, what? wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So I, I got the call from Texas and I was probably on a Friday. On Monday, I had a conversation. And by Friday, I was in on an interview. And wow. yeah. And so um, there's an interesting part of your, well, I mean, all your, your journey is interesting, but I, I really want to focus on some of the head coaching uh, duties. It's interesting you interviewed at George Mason, uh, but you become the head coach at Texas State. And obviously, you know, we've already spoiled the alert, spoiler alert, you're the head coach at UCF. So, um, but, I, but I do want to go through the different places. So you go to Texas and then what was after that? Um, I left Texas to go to LSU. Okay. Um, honestly, after Texas, I really didn't know if I wanted to coach anymore. Okay. Um, it had just been, um, it just been, it was a time to reflect and decide 
do I really want to do this or not? Is this really you know? who I am? Yes, it's mm-hmm. really who I am. Because that's relate. one thing is I don't ever want to compromise who I am to, to do something. And mm-hmm. so um, I got a call from LSU. Um, I remember because I had I had resigned from Texas. I just was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I just don't want to coach anymore. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to, you know, move on in life. And then um, Boo called me and uh, and I'm like, you know, Boo, I appreciate it, but I'm not interested. So then he called me back again and said, well, now hold on, Dana, <laughs> you know. He's like, just come on an interview, just give it a shot because, you know, there's still fun to be had in this sport. You can, you know, there's different side that you can see. Let, let's, you know, just, just, just come on an interview. So I said, all right, but you know what? I'm going to come on an interview, but I'm really not going to take this job, you know? So I come on an interview and the rest is history. I obviously take the job at, at LSU. Um, Boo is what uh, I, we laugh about it, um, but uh, I call him, he, he took me to rehab. <laughs> he, he rehabilitated me and restored, you know, my faith wow. in coaching. And, and, you know, every day, you can ask him this too. He took me to lunch almost every day. And every day he just, he'd take me to lunch over at the little sandwich shop and he just talked to me and um, mm-hmm. just, you know, just kind of revitalized the, the, the coaching, the coaching energy, you know? Um, and then ironically, and it's so funny, I still have this piece of paper, but remember I told you at the Olympic trials in 92, I got carted off the track and whatever. Well, Boo, if you know Boo, he's 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 good at drawing stick figures. Unbelievably so that, good at drawing yeah. stick so figures. So on my desk was a stick figure of an ambulance, uh, you know, someone being carted off in an ambulance. Um, obviously, he was making reference to when I got carted off the track at the Olympic trials. And I died laughing because I was like, really, Boo? And so I still have that in my office. Like, I have it. Because I think I screenshotted it and sent him. I said, you remember when you did this to me? And it was funny. We just started laughing about it. But, um, you know, I, I enjoyed. Um, it was different. It was a different year, you know, definitely being in the, um, in the SEC and, and things like that. And uh, um, but I learned so much in that year at LSU. Um, and my intention was to be there a little longer. But what happened was um, I got a phone call and I, uh, well, I guess Dennis got a phone call and from Oklahoma. And then we were, we were actually at level two school in James Madison. And he was like, come on, Dana, let's go out to eat. And I was like, okay, what's going on? And he's like, hey, Oklahoma called. And I was like, I'm not going to Oklahoma. Like they're like the bottom of the big 12. There's no way I'm going to Oklahoma. Like, no, you know, so I'm sitting there like, I'm at LSU, we win the champ- national championship mm-hmm. or something, you know? And surprisingly, he said, "Uh, I think you ought to take a look. You know, I was like, you want me to take a look at it? Because if he hadn't, honestly, I don't know if he hadn't said, maybe you should take a look at it. I don't know that I really would have, you know. And so I talked to, I talked to uh, Martin and, you know, he kind of pushed some, that competitive button in you. It's like, hey, you know, you can come back to the big 12 and show everybody what kind of coach you really are. And, you know, um, you can, you can do your thing. I'm not going to bother you. It's your event group and you, you, you're running this. It's completely on your own. And, you know, I wasn't doing that at LSU. So I was like the challenge of, Hey, this is going to be the first time really in my coaching career where I'm a hundred percent responsible for everything. So I, I took the challenge. I was like, game on I'll I'll take it you know so I I went to Oklahoma and um 
you know, I remember Jeremy, Jeremy Fisher was there on the interview. Oh, like yeah. he, was, nice. he was already signed on and, you know, and so I was looking forward to working, working with him. And um, yeah, so. You mentioned James Madison level two. Was this 2003? It had to be, I left for, I was at, uh, let's see. I left Texas in 2004. So I was at LSU from 2004, to 2005. So I went to Oklahoma in 2005. So it must've been 2005 level. Okay, it was either four or five, but James, yeah. I, don't, I, don't I was at James Madison level two. And that's when I got notified that I had gotten the Mississippi state job. That's why it just really maybe we stood. met there. I That's don't... what I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, a lot was going on at that. Uh, at ton. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're not at coach's education, you're yeah. missing out. Let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> I've seen so many jobs happen at coaches. Yeah, at and Dennis was my. I was doing sprints and hurdles there. Dennis was yeah. one of my. Well, me too. That's prob- we probably were in. We were in the same class then. That's maybe. probably that, where we met. That's what it was. Um, I love these stories of the selflessness of. Uh, I'm going to call them mentors. You, you didn't use that word necessarily, but these coaches around you, you know, boo taking a second phone call to you, you know, like, yeah, yeah I heard you. I, I think there, there's something special about you, Dana. Uh, I'm going to call you again. And then right. taking the time to pour into you. It's, it's awesome. Cause we hear about boo and, you know, I owe everything of my coaching and that, that kid I talked about at ball state. That was all because I went to level two and boo taught me, jumps yeah. i mean it was all you know the stick figures and, yeah. and training theory and um but i love that story of boo like not coaching but coaching <laughs> you know coaching yeah. the person not the event and then for dennis shaver i mean he's got someone on staff uh, he, he d- doesn't necessarily want to lose them and have to hire other people and things like that and he says uh, maybe his mindset was like this is better for you maybe you should take a look at it well, I think what, and if I'm completely honest, and he and I had talked about that, I don't think he would mind me be saying, but I think it was one of those things where we were trying to get some more money out of LSU. And so it was kind of like, hey, go take this job opportunity in hopes that we can counter offer it because it was a $10,000 raise, you know, so, hey, maybe we can counter offer it and make your situation better here. So you'll want to stay, you know, I think it was that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, he was upfront about it, but, you know, it definitely, I went through the process. I think the process was hopefully maybe I didn't want to take it, but mm-hmm. in the end they did come back, but, um, you know, it, it was just a financial better situation. Mm-hmm. Um, although they did offer a raise, but it, it was a financially better situation for me to go to Oklahoma. And, you know, at the same time, I, I, you know, when I got to LSU, I'd already been coaching 14 years. Mm -hmm. So if I had gotten that job as an introductory person, boy, what a difference that would have made. And I would have been there a long time. I would have learned so much, but, you know, I was already 14 years in, so it was very hard to try to just kind of sit there and not have that much to do you know i was more the, the control over the, the manager group. of the of mm-hmm. the the personnel of okay these girls make sure uh, we got we got some issues going on over here in the dorm or you know the academic thing community service type thing those things so it was less about coaching um mm-hmm. per se but more recruiting and you know managing of people mm-hmm. which is fine um but you know i just felt like at that point in time in my career i needed a little bit more to do. Um, you, were, you, were, you were searching for having that Dana Boone group, like you, yeah. the whole purview of it. Yeah. And yeah. You got that at that, Oklahoma. 
Yeah, because that's what, you know, and that was, you know, hard. What some people didn't understand about my coaching journey is I worked under somebody for the longest. Like Mm -hmm. I did not have a complete, Oklahoma was the first time I had a complete group to myself where no Mm -hmm. one was saying, hey, let me see your workouts or hey, you're going to do this part of the workout training and you can just do the technical part, but I'm going to do all the rest of it, you know? So that was the first time I was getting the opportunity to stand on my own. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of hard to turn down. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. 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 It makes, I don't think anybody can hear that and disagree with that. It's like, you know, standing on your own two feet, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So how was Oklahoma and working for coach Martin, who I owe a lot again, another person in my life coaching wise, uh, that did a lot for me. Uh, how was that? Um, it was definitely interesting. Um, it was definitely different. Um, like I said, I appreciate my time at, at Texas. I learned a lot about myself um, and I learned a lot about a lot of things at Oklahoma as well. You know, um, we were successful, but I, I, um, I, just, I just learned to, I learned a lot more about who I am and who I am as a coach and, and just trusting myself and believing in myself that I, I can get this done. So um, yeah, I, I learned some things from Martin. I learned some things, some good things and some not so good things, you know. Um, so well, tell, tell me more about, coach, huh? oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, but you, you said something super interesting there about learning who you were as a person, a coach. Tell me more about that. Well, I mean, sometimes when you're put in difficult situations, you, you know, you might not realize something about yourself until you, you have to overcome those situations. Mm-hmm. So I, I realized that, um, that uh, I just, I just learned a lot about myself. I gave my, I didn't give myself as much credit as I really should have in terms of just being strong enough, um, smart enough to, to get it done and to handle and to, um, you know, manage situations um, and just taking all those years of experience and being able to apply them. um, Cause I I learned something from everywhere I went Mm -hmm. and I was able to take all of those things and I needed it all. It's like every step prepared me for that next step. And so some of the things that I experienced at, at Oklahoma, you know, my previous stops prepared me for that. You know, it sounds like this was a, um, uh, I'm say culmination, even though we typically think of culmination as an end, and this is definitely not the end of your story, right. but like the buildup of everything from you learned from coach Kraft and coach Hayes and boo and all these people that have poured into you now, you get to show and you build your own self-confidence with it. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, you know, we all do this, put stuff on your resume that you were there because you were there and you were a part of it to some degree, you know, you were part of the recruiting process, you were around at practice and stuff, but it's something different when you put that on your resume and you took that person from point A and got them to point B or C or D or whatever. So for me, that was the culmination, as, as you say, it was, de, you know, recruiting and, and developing my group. And so when you look up and we go from, from 12th in the big 12, um, the first year I took, took that, um, took that job, we were, we were 12th out of 12 teams, you know, um, and then we go in our first year indoors and, you know, we finished fourth with our highest point total. And then, um, you know, and, and, and I, you know, it was, it was a crazy time because we only took 12 girls to that indoor. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I had 15 girls in my group. I took three. I told them, I said, Hey, we can, we could not show up and be last. So I don't need to take everybody. It's just at the end of the day, 
either you want to be good or you don't and you have to make that decision and to their credit you know um i mean a four by i didn't take a four by four think about how crazy that is i didn't bring a four by four we were running bad it was bad (laughs) and so but outdoor you know they were a different team and um no one wanted to be left home and i took everybody and almost every person scored you know or did something to the, for, you know, to help the team. And, right. you know, we were still, you know, in the bottom half, probably, probably ninth or Oof. eighth or somewhere in the big 12, but we made a lot of improvement. And from there it went up. And the crazy thing is we were never able to win a women's title. You know, while I was there, we won two men's title, two men's titles, but the women were tough because, I mean, you think back then you had Nebraska in there, you mm. had a oh. and and mm-hmm. a sprint final was like making the NCAA championship. I, it was one of those times where like, if you could make a big 12 sprint final, you had a shot that you could possibly make the NCAA sprint final. Um, and if you made the sprint final, you were going to the national meet because it was tough. And I mean, even my last year there, when Candace did win the NCAA meet, she was second and third in the 100 and 200. She was third in the 100 and second in the 200 of the big 12. She couldn't win a conference title. Wow. And I, and I remember telling her, I said, well, hey, you want this one or you want to win the big one? You know, I was like, it is, it is what, it, and you know, we finished third as a team. That was the highest we could finish, but then we finished fourth in the nation. So yeah. we were eight points out of winning a championship. So it's kind of like, <laughs> it was a, it was a tough time uh, at that particular time, um, the way the conference was set up. It was yeah. crazy. Those are tough ways to coach, you know, when you're in yeah. these big 12s and SECs and, you know, you're getting fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth as a team, but yet you're also getting fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, because the way, you know, points are different at nationals versus conference. Yeah. But it's, it's a tough uh, to stay motivated, I think, sometimes. My, my experience, you know, from being yeah. at Mississippi State that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely tough when you're in such a tough conference that mm-hmm. you could have a stellar team and it's still going to only put you put you down here. But then you go to nationals and you could probably put more points up on the board because you have the quality and right. you know, you're a top 10 program. So it's just a matter of, you know, what does your administration want from you? Mm-hmm. You know, and if they really want the conference thing, then you better recruit to, you know, mm-hmm. figure out how to be the top part of the conference and win a conference championship. Or if they want the nationals then you know, it's kind of finding that balance of, of, of kids. So that's definitely tough in those, um, in those conferences like that. You, uh, you mentioned you won two men's titles for, for big 12. Yeah. Um, well, the first one, um, was, uh, I think what, 2007, um, the coach left, uh, the coach left in, at um, mid year or, or in the fall. And so um, instead of trying to hire somebody new, I, I told Coach Hay, I mean, uh, Coach Smith that I, I, would, I would coach them in if that's what he needed me to do. Mm-hmm. If he couldn't find the right person, I definitely would, would step up. And so um, that's what I did. And, and we won the outdoor title, the first one in 30 years. Um, and uh, that, was, that was so much fun. Yeah. And we went on to regionals and that's when they had the four regions and we won the Midwest region title as well. Yeah. And we went to nationals with um, that year. We went. We had two women's four. We had two uh, four by ones and men's and women's, and two four by fours and men's and women's. And like we we had a ton of kids that that year. Oklahoma was was uh, two thousand seven was a very good year um, for both sides. Absolutely, that was a that's a big deal. You know, not many teams have won a Big Twelve title. It's very compacted to the same teams year over year. Yeah. So when a, a Texas Tech and Oklahoma and you know Baylor recently won the women's indoor, like that's a 
big deal. Yeah. That does not happen. It's the right. quote yeah. unquote same school and school. Yeah, it's usually uh, Texas or yeah, you know. Nebraska when they were in. Yeah, right. They ruled the roost for quite a while. Yeah. So you go, you stay inside a conference and you go from Oklahoma to Texas Tech? Um, well, I go to Oklahoma to Texas State. And then bounce to tech and then back to state? No, I went from Oklahoma to Texas State and mm -hmm. then from Texas State to Texas Tech. And then tech to UCF. Correct. Oh, okay. I've, I've, for some reason, I, I know, was thinking there's states. a lot of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, see, and it. And, and, and it's not like I sit here and go, oh, let me just keep moving all this time. I really honestly, except for the times that I told you that I applied for those jobs, I really am just minding my business, um, not really looking for, like right. when I was at Oklahoma, after I did apply for Texas State at Oklahoma because I just felt like it was time for me to go. Hmm. Um, I, it, it was time for me to go. So um, I did apply for Texas State and that took a long time before I ever got a phone call. So I didn't know what I was going to do um, if I did not get that job, but I did get the job and um, I had a wonderful four years there. It was, it was awesome. Um, well, had a great staff, um, won it, some championships. It was a lot of fun. It definitely feels like uh, up to this point in your career, at least that we've gone through, every step has been there. There's been something there for you. It wasn't like, um, you know, my, I, I've ad, you know, admitted I can now after, you know, 15 plus years of being out of the coaching profession, you know, my whole career, I, I was that guy who was searching for that that title. Like I, I was all about getting to the SEC for me. Like that was yeah. all it was. And then I made it right. And it, and then it, you know, I realized like, Oh, maybe the grass isn't as always greaner yeah. <laughs> on the other side. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's what I was pursuing was the quote unquote fame of being an SEC coach. That's not your story. I mean, you, you, you were in the SEC and LSU and South Carolina and the big 12 at Oklahoma. And so it seemed like every step for you was about uh, really I'm going to use the word enrichment, like you got better and the right yeah. people were at e each place. Yeah. I would definitely say that that's a good way to say it. It's like, I've never just taken a job just because of money, but there's always been a purpose for, yeah. for me. And I, like, like you said, I, I was never chasing the titles. Like um, I never necessarily was like, Ooh, I got to get to the big time. You know, mm -hmm. the big time came, I saw, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I could, I could go either way, you know, cause I've been at the mid majors and it's, and it's fun, you know, um, you know, coach Hayes is one of the most successful, uh, people at, 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 you know, at that level. And he's had people at nationals and stuff. And so I'm like, you can be successful at any level mm -hmm. with, you know, with the determination that you want. Now the resources are always, always mm -hmm. nice. You know, we got a little, Got a little tough there at Texas State, you know, sometimes budget wise and things like that. But I enjoyed coming to work every single day. For me, it was the quality of life at that time. At that time I was leaving, I, I had been successful. I, I feel like I have to leave the place better than when I found it, you know? Yeah. So um, Oklahoma, we we were better. We When I left, we were fourth in the nation as a team on the women's side. We finished third in the conference. That's a lot better than the 12th that we were when I started, you know? We had some national champions. We rewrote some of the record, uh, a lot of the record books and stuff like that. We had some great success. So I feel like my time, it was time for me to go. Um, then it was like, hey, can I be a head coach? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Was that part of the the next step yeah. in the mission? Like, is, is this what I'm supposed to be? Can I do this? Yeah, exactly. I think it was one of those things where I was like, I need to decide if 
if head coaching is really what I want to do, or do I just want to remain an assistant or what is it? What, what is it? Where's my niche? Like where, what am I going to do next? And where, because I don't want to be that person, <laughs> despite what people may think. I don't want to bounce around. I'm tired of moving. I don't want to move anymore. You know, I, I just want to be somewhere where I can be successful. I can win some championships. I can get at nationals. I can enjoy my life. My son has a good life um, and I'm financially stable. So mm -hmm. those are the things that, that motivate me, whether that's the, you know, the SEC or whatever, you know, I, mm -hmm. I'm a big person on being true to who I am. It doesn't matter what other people think about me or what other people, you know, feel like I should be doing. It's about what does Dana think is best for her, regardless of what everyone else thinks I should be doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's something I had to learn is take, putting myself into consideration and not really worrying about what other people, because people can project on you what they think you should be doing with your life. And uh, I don't ever want to do that for anybody. You know, I always ask people, well, what do you want to do? Like, what's your purpose? I don't care what everybody else is telling you you should be doing. Maybe that's not what your motivation is. And I'm okay with that, you know? So I remember your time at Texas State uh, I, I came down and visited almost yeah. yearly through some different times. And you had some, you mentioned your staff, great people, of course, you know, yeah. one of my good friends, Keith was there, yeah. uh, which, you know, he, he, did you see his athlete just set? The, oh my gosh. Right. You see? I'm so proud. You know, All of I, I've told Keith this and he, and I'm so blessed that he gets, he, he brings the joke back to me as well. You know, I taught his level one. So oh, I yeah. take a hundred percent credit for all of his uh, athletes, positives, none of the negatives, but all his pot. So I, you know, I saw that, uh, that kid jump what eight thirty three or whatever. And I was like, Oh, yeah. that's because of the things that I taught. Yes. And level one. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you see it my way. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, one of the things that struck me at Texas state as I got to see your development at Texas state, cause I was there, um, you know, again, brief times once a year, but, uh, seeing your interaction with the kids, uh, I remember one day popping in to the weight room and the energy and what I could tell as far as relationship amongst you and the athletes was off the charts. H how yeah. did you develop? And maybe that's been, you know, I've not seen you necessarily at spots at like Oklahoma and LSU, et cetera, in your previous part of your career. Uh, how have you, you, is that a, a strength of yours? Is that something you're conscious of, or is that just you and your personality? Um, I think, you know, the one part that when you take over someone else's program, it's always a little bit of a rough spot in there where there's transition of kids that you didn't recruit. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you bring in your own kids. And then there's always this, they always feel like, oh, you like this person better or something like that. But in reality, what it is, is I spent a year recruiting this person. <laughs> so I've been to this person's house, whereas I didn't bring that person in. So I'm just walking in cold. Um, and we don't have the same t amount of time to develop a relationship. So probably what you saw at Texas State was the culmination of all of us, um, all of our energy. Um, but yeah, we recruited, we were, we recruited off of passion and energy. A lot of it was about personality and, you know, every kid knew that we were going to have a good time, but at the same time, we weren't playing around about business. It was here. We were here to win some championships and you were expected to do your job. You expected to get good grades, but we can enjoy the process too. So yeah, we had our own little weight room. We come in there and we just bring the energy. It was, it was a lot, of, it was a lot of fun. The personalities on this, on the staff, you know, the kids, um, they, they felt comfortable. We were competitive as a staff. Like we were challenging those kids all the time. Like, 
we 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 challenged them to bowling they tried to beat us in bowling i mean it was like any kind of game you could find we were we were we were down for that as a staff like I remember I having the kids over to the, the house. I mean, if it was spades, we were gonna whoop up on them on spades. We showed no mercy to any of those kids, but they knew that we loved and cared about them, but we were competitive people. And, but at the same time we were fun, you know, felt like there was a good balance of, all right, now it's time to go to work. This is the expectation, but here afterwards, let's, let's enjoy this, you know, the work that we put in together. How do you balance that? You know, there's there's different philosophies in coaching and, and maybe there is no one philosophy, right? That's mixtures of different ones, but there's the, the tough coach, you know, we're here to do a job. We're here to win championships. But you're, uh, also you're here to get a degree, but you know, all the fun stuff, that's, that's superfluous. And then there's the complete opposite of, Hey, we're here to participate. And uh, you know, if we win, we win. You seem to uh, have a, uh, I don't even want to call it a balance. It seems like I'm hearing you go from, yeah, we're going to have fun and we're going to play spades and bowling. And you know what? We, we have a job to do. We're going to get on that track and work hard. How do you balance that? And where did maybe that even come from? It came from seeing both sides, like extremes, like mm -hmm. living uh, in an environment where there was no fun and it was all business. And it was very, for me, it didn't fit my personality. So I have adopted my personality um and so i lead with my personality mm. and my personality is like hey I, hey we're all here we're on the same mission mm -hmm. and i want you to have a good time i want you to enjoy this i want you to have a good quality of life but at the end of the day i'm still holding you accountable mm. like you know i'm not gonna micromanage you but you understand i'm coming back and i'm gonna look at everything that you've done but I'm not gonna sit up here and put my thumb on you all day. I'm gonna say, here are my expectations for you. Here's what, now how you wanna get it done is up to you, but you understand at the end of the day, you're accountable for what I expect. Wow. Um, and so that's where it's kind of come from. It's been like, hey, um, I've seen the way I've been treated. I've seen environments that I've been in and the things that I liked and things that I didn't like. And so I tried to, to, to bring that together um, and bring it with, um, my personality. I feel like I feel like if I hire good competitive people, that I really don't have to micromanage them because they they're 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 competitive enough that they want to be good, and they know that if we do what we're supposed to do, I'm gonna take care of them. <laughs> Everybody's gonna reap the reward um, if we do well. So um, I've always been a believer in that you have to be invested in the program. Like you have to understand and like you know, if this was your money, how would you spend it? Like, you know, you have to, because when you don't feel a part of it, it's real easy to treat it any kind of way and not to, um, you know, uh, maybe do your job to the level of, of that, that you're expected. So if I, if I, if I make them believe or feel that they're a part of something, this is something we're building together. Cause we are, you know, like when I do my, my, my Zoom call, you know, now we've had to adapt to Zoom calls, you know, um, I make sure my whole staff gets on there and the recruits meet the whole staff, not just coach who's going to, you know, because at some point in time, you're going to interact with them, you know, my distance coach comes out to practice every Tuesday and Friday and helps me time 
because I got too many groups hmm. and it's his way to be a part of the team. And he was like, coach, I just want to, I just want to be uh, your right-hand man. However, I can help you. Hmm. You know how you can help me come out to practice some days when I need some extra help. So if he, you know, he does that because he practices in the morning. Sometimes I'm like, Hey, can you come out? And he's willing to film practice if that's what I need him to do, you know? And so anybody who understands that ego is not your ego is not the most important thing and whatever is necessary in order for the team to be successful. Hmm. Those are the type of people that I ride with. Those are the type of people that I want to build my staff with. And those are the type of people that I can rely on because they understand this is bigger than them. You know, it's not about their ego. You know, what I heard there from your coaching to also your uh, management of a staff, it, it's, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy, Dana. It sounds like you uh, coach and manage and lead as if, these 18 to 22 year olds and these uh, guys and gals in your staff are adults. Like, how dare you? <laughs> like there's going to be accountability, but I'm not going to micromanage you. you. I hired you for a job, whether that's an assistant coach or whether that's a, a scholarship athlete, I I'm going to give you the tools to do it now. Now go do it. Yeah. And yeah. I do that with my support staff too. Yeah. I'm like, look, I don't want to do your job. If I got to do your job, like, why are we paying you for, you You know, I don't want to do anybody else's job, but my job, I want to be the head coach and coach the events that I do. So if you're the academic person, do your academic job. If you're the trainer, do your training room job. If you're the strength coach. Now, remember, everything comes back to me, though. Mm -hmm. You know, every decision is still mine. They all understand that nobody does anything without my approval. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's a level of respect when you give them the leeway to be themselves and to groom and to grow because that, you know, in, in some respects, that's how you have to figure out, you know, how do you lead a program, you know, um, you know, at some point in time you have to do, I, I always make sure everybody has responsibilities. You know, when I, when I hire people, I ask first about their character. I'm like, who are you when nobody's up watching? You know, like what type of person are you? I don't really care if you coach or not. I need to know, are you a good person? And, you know, are you going to do the right things? You know, because those things are important to me. Hmm. And then I ask, well, what are you going to bring to the table? Besides the excellent, like what, what skill set do you possess that is going to help make UCF better? You know, hmm. so those are the type of things that are important to me. Cause you know, when somebody just throws their coaching resume, I mean, you could have a great coaching resume and be a horrible person. Mm -hmm. And I'm not really for that because I don't want to have to every two minutes, look, look around, see if you're going to stab me in the back or not. I'm, right. I'm not really um, into that. I want to go to work saying, Hey, we're, we're a team. Um, you understand uh, we're in this together. Everybody needs to do their job. I want the kids happy. I want the kids um, focused. I want them ready when need they need to be. And however you want to get that done, you know, now I'll put my little two cents every now and then if I don't see mm -hmm. things that I feel like I, I'm going to pull you aside and say, well, hey, what's going on over here? You know, you might want to try to tone, tune this, turn this up a little bit or, you know, da, 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 you know, whatever I feel like I, I uh, need to say. But ultimately, it's going to end on you, but you understand that I'm always coming back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and at the end, I'm going to look and say, well, here's what I asked you to do. Here's the expectations. Did you meet those expectations? I'm not going to, you know, if that means that, you know, I'm not sitting up here, like you better be in the office at eight o'clock and you got to stay till eight PM. I'm not going to do that, but I am going to say, 
did you fill this event area? Because I want all these event areas in your group. You're responsible right. for all these. Do we have scoring potential in all of these things? And if not, you know, have we talked about that? I said, okay, you can leave that one blank because it doesn't make much sense there. We're going to go here, you know. So we have talked enough about recruiting. We have talked enough about our plan, our vision, our focus. How are we going to win this championship? Now you got to fill those holes. Hmm. That's your responsibility. Now I, I'm gonna sign off on it because if I don't like the person or you know there's something I might not want to put that much money in them or something like that, and then obviously that's my decision. Um, you know, money money offers are usually my decision, but I am gonna offer. I am gonna ask the coach. Well, what do you think they're worth? You know, like well, what would you? You know, if this was your money, this is your scholarship. Mm-hmm. Are you going to bank? You feel like this is what their value is. How, what are they going to bring to the table long-term and how could, how do they walk in? You know, so I'm going to challenge you as a head coach to ask you all the questions that if you were the head coach, would you make this decision? You know, and um, sometimes we'll agree. And sometimes we won't agree. You know, because sometimes I'll be like, Nope, I'm not putting any more money over here. That's it. Sorry. Dina, you just gave us, you just gave us a master class in what high functioning results oriented coaches are looking for in interviewing <laughs> and uh, you know resumes and things like that that's uh that was great that was awesome that's awesome yeah because i really want people to do their job i don't want to have to do your job and feel like i got to come over there well what are you guys doing today right um okay well i want you to do that no hey man get it done look, are they going to be ready on point meet day? How many points can they score? Mm. Now I'm going to ask you all that because when you tell me that, that's what I expect. Right. Right. So that, and that, that's all I'm going to do. I, my expectations don't change. I'm just not going to micromanage you to get mm. those expectations. Well, I want to be cognizant of your time and we're getting okay. close to our time. Um, and I got some questions from Twitter. You've, you've seen oh. them. Yeah. You've seen a couple of them, uh, but I don't want to gloss over real quick. Uh, so from Texas state to Texas tech, uh, and I have such high respect for the coaches that are there, the James Robinson, Cal, uh, James and Calvin. Cal, yeah. And Calvin and, uh, Wes, uh, I mean, just, and I'm missing people of course, but I mean, just amazing people there. How was that? time on staff with with them it was a lot of fun you know um coach kitley is an awesome guy a great leader um very very down to earth very welcoming um him and his family were very kind to me um while i was there um definitely enjoyed um the experience there um i hope i did my job there you know um the object that i was supposed to help you know kind of when i got there i think there was only two or three women's recruits there. So that's what I was supposed to do is recruit some, some more women to the team to help make the team better. And um, hopefully um, I did that. And as you can see, they are uh, definitely um, doing extremely well and we're having won the, I told them that um, when I left, I said, now that I'm leaving, you're gonna win the national championship. That's always happens the year after I leave, that's the year they win. So, um, you know, Pretty much, I was like, "Hey, when you all get that championship, kick some money Give back." Rent, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, I'm joking. No, they worked right. extremely hard, and and they did a great job. So awesome. Okay, so uh, I love reaching out to Twitter, and you know what? By the way, you are a prolific uh, tweeter. By the way, uh, even this morning, uh, there was a response on my Twitter from like 3:58. I think that was my time, so 4:58 your time. You you like the Twitter? Well. When I wake up and I don't have anything else to do, I just grab my phone and I'm just like, let me see what's going on. Yeah. Well, I love it. I'm, I'm a huge social media advocate, so I'm, I'm all good. There's no judgment for me. I, I love yeah. it. 
I judge the opposite way. When you have a Twitter account or any social media account and you don't post things, yeah. like, well, that's like having a telephone, but not answering. What are you doing here? You don't, you don't have to be on Twitter and right. get off of it if you don't want to respond. Okay. Anyway, let's get to some questions from some awesome people out in Twitter land. So, um, a great friend of ours, Tom Sage, he asked, uh, he makes a statement, says, Coach uh, Dana, every place you've coached, success has followed. And I think we saw a lot of those examples there. What are some tips that you have for cultivating a successful culture? And then he asked, do you make the Gatorade? <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to add on to it, meaning, uh, so what's in the Gatorade? All these places, a lot of success, a lot of improvements. Uh, what are some tips you have for cultivating that culture? And what are you putting in that Gatorade? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, along my coaching stop, I have learned that to be a leader, you have to be willing to be a servant. So to ask, do I make the Gatorade? Yes, I'll make the great Gatorade. I'll clean out the shed. I move my hurdles every day. I, I do everything myself pretty much at practice. I set everything up myself. Um, I um, am willing to do um, you know whatever is necessary, if that means when we get off the bus, I, you know, cause we're, we're just a women's staff. And so sometimes you don't have all the, the, the fluff that other programs have. So if that means I got to carry a, a case of water inside to the, to the meet, then I'm gonna carry the case of water inside to the meet. Cause that's what the athletes um, need. I'm, I'm not above doing um, whatever's necessary. Um, so uh, as far as uh, success, I've always been a bit big advocate of knowing where you are, um, meaning when you walk into a place, you can have a whole plan and philosophy, but if that's not what the program, what the administration wants, then you might need to adapt your, you know, um, so um, because um, I was working somewhere and, you know, if I had national type aspirations, but they really only cared about winning the conference championship. It didn't matter what I did on a national basis. If I wasn't winning these conference championships, they were going to have a problem with it. So you have to figure out where you work. And then that has been my model for success. What is it that you want from me? Okay. Once I know that that's how I operate and that's how I try to put together um, my formula for success. Now, um, you know, I've never been a person for quick fixes. I think when you you do quick fixes, you might set yourself up for <laughs> bigger, bigger falls. I like to try to build the foundation, which means you might see a slower progress for the program um, than somebody coming in instantly and they're just putting all these pieces together because the wrong pieces in the puzzle, you know, uh, you know, a house will fall without the correct foundation. So um, I always say, take, take your time and, and build it right. So um, I always make sure that the administration understands what I'm trying to accomplish and what I'm trying to do. Um, but, you know, I don't know if that, that answered your yeah, question. No, but, well, uh, I, I love that lesson of congruency, you know, being in sync with your administration, if we're talking about that type of position, uh, with your coaching staff, and even when you're with your athletes, if there's a, a different goal set and you're butting heads, Mm -hmm. Well, not only, you know, less things are going to happen positively, uh, but frustrations are going to happen on both sides yeah. and no one's going to yeah. be happy at that point. So uh, either making sure you're congruent with your administration, your athlete, your coaching staff, or finding those situations where you can be congruent yes. with those. Yeah, that's, that's a great lesson. Uh, you know, no show is complete without hearing from our friend Lamont Johnson. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know what Lamont's talking about here, which, but that's pretty par for the course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Lamont, 
yeah, you know, Lamont's Lamont. And, you know, that's actually probably one of the best compliments I can give him because he is a unique person in all the positive ways. I love, love Lamont to death here. Uh, so he, he says uh, to ask you about what's this back and forth. And of course he does the, the, I don't know what they call the shifty eye emojis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, between mm-hmm. you and Lamont. And I do, if you know what, no uh, explanation is even needed here. Go on Twitter. First of all, making sure you're following these two people. They're awesome, Dana and Lamont. And just sit back. Like I, I do the uh, the eating popcorn gif a lot. I'm just like, I'm just here for the show. You guys, back and forth. I, you know what? I don't know how it started or why, but you know, I know the first time he put some eyes on my paper, I was like, what's he looking at me like that for? So I put two eyes back and then he put three eyes. So then I just said, you know what? I'm going to put a whole paragraph full of eyes and that usually shuts him, shuts him down. But, um, you know, Lamont is the type of person that'll get on my social media and ruin the power episodes before they come out, you know. So like I'll put out there that I'm about to block him and then that just motivates him more. So I don't know. He's just like that guy that just likes to just mess with you. But he's a great guy, very encouraging, always uplifting. So, um, you know, the only, it's just something we do. The only <laughs> thing I would disagree with what you just said is, you said if you put a paragraph of eyes, that will usually shut him up. I have yet to find a time <laughs> where Bot shuts well, up. <laughs> he won't respond with more eyes if I do the paragraph of eyes. He usually doesn't go beyond that. So he then said, When does when do you need your new coach to report to Orlando? And he's talking about himself. And then he gave this very disturbing uh guy a gif of, a, a, of door, kicking yeah. a door. And I was like, Lamont, that's that's breaking and entering, my friend. Let's yeah, not do that. Much. But yeah, since COVID started, he's always talking about how's our team doing. Yeah, um, we're coming down. I'm coming down there to be your assistant coach. I said, oh, volunteer coach, because I only have, you know. So it's just been a running joke. Um, so he'll just say, oh, how's our team? And I'm like, my team is fine. How's yours? <laughs> but I, I do love that. What what respect of like, yeah. hey, you know, if the opportunity came, if the right situations for all of us, I, I'd be on your staff. Like that's a huge Yeah, I I I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I tell them though, get in line. I get those, I get those emails and calls all the time. Text, you know, uh, I'm gonna come down there. I'd like to live in Florida. I'm like, I yeah, I get it. Again, I think that is a direct reflection on you as a leader. Honestly, Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, good friend of ours, cut the check, Coach Kenny over at uh, Central Methodist, uh, who we've had on the show. You got to go back and listen to this episode. It's awesome. I thought this was really telling so you know he gets a he, he is uh his um mo if you will is recruiting like everybody thinks or knows you know he is he is after he is always getting after it so i on one hand find this question extremely funny but then i also i think i see the subtext to it like this guy is always learning that this is what this question uh come uh, feels like to me so uh kenny says uh, is there anything specific or common with the type of athletes you recruit. What is your strategy? He says. <laughs> now, oh, you want me to chat? No. <laughs> I was gonna say, be careful. <laughs> well, I mean, I about recruiting. You know, you look for. For me, it's 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 more common sense. Obviously, 
I like the athlete that can do a lot of things. So I've never been a big person on a, um, I'm a specialist in this, you know, I can only do this, you know, if I sign somebody like that, that has one event, it's because I need to fill a specific hole and, and, you know, it's a, maybe it is a, a little bit of a, a quick fix, but I like to, you know, find the athletes that, you know, can, can run up or run down one, two, four athletes are my favorite, you know, people that can run one, two or four, um, you know, I'm loving, you know, I, I got hurdlers that can, you know, sprint and stuff, you know, uh, one of my favorite athletes that we signed is, is Renaya Jones, because she, she did, she was 13, five in the hurdles, but she ran 11, eight, 23, eight, she ran 60, she ran 41, two in the 300 hurdles. So it's like, you know, we just haven't had an outdoor season yet. She has yet to run her first outdoor season, but there's so much variety that we can do with her. So I like athletes that provide variety. So it's one person has a lot of options because when you go to the conference meet, um, you know, I love 400. And this is what's fun about my group now, the 400 people. I'm like, oh, you know, I think I'm gonna drop this 400 down. I still got these, this many for, you know, people that have the ability to be versatile. Um, that can run on a four by one or they can run, um, you know, the 400 hurdles, they can run a four by four, you know, if you're a short sprinter that can, you know, run on the relay and you like to run. Um, so I know now for me, the biggest thing is mentality too. Like, do you have the competitive mentality? Are you not afraid to run? And as, if you are not afraid to run and you got some ability, I'm all, I'm all for it. <laughs> Because it's hard coaching people that have the ability and they're afraid to use it. Do you find using that young lady you mentioned, do you find that type of athlete, so that, that more versatile athlete, you know, 13 and a half, 41 point uh, versus uh, using that same athlete, if she would have come to you as a 13 flat, but maybe 44, do you mm -hmm. find that more versatile athlete um, has the ability to become better? I, more probability. I, I'm not sure I'm asking that real well, but I feel like the more athletic they are, the more opportunity you have for even more um, growth. Mm -hmm. So don't get me wrong. The 13 flat, I, I love to have it, mm -hmm. but yeah, that is going from 13 flat to, you know, 12, five. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a big jump. And, mm -hmm. and it requires a whole lot. Whereas, you know, the 13, five, you don't know what she can run because she's been running all different kinds of things. And it's like, you know, they haven't had a chance to really, um, zone in on anything. And, you know, for me watching her and coaching her, there's so much to clean up, you know, she's mm -hmm. getting better, um, but like I said, we have yet to have an outdoor season. So she hasn't even gotten to go to her true best season, you know, as, as dealing with a lot of these um, Florida kids, you know, they've run indoor maybe once, oh, you know, sure. once a year, yeah. but their true love and true, you know, area of where they can shine is outside. And we, have, we just haven't had a season yet. So yeah, um, I'm point. looking forward to it, but yeah, I would definitely choose the, um, the athlete that has a lot of different, uh, or an athlete that has plays other sports. Mm -hmm. So if they did run 13 flat, but they, maybe they were a volleyball player or a soccer player, or they just did something else. I just like truly athletic people. I don't, I'm not a big fan of people that have been, I've been running track since I'm six years old. And then they've mm -hmm. gotten to, you know, to this point. Um, I like, Hey, I was playing this, I was doing this and I came back and, you know, a volleyball player who played basketball and then also did, yeah and yeah. then track was like the third sport they did and yeah. but then you're like man they did this and they haven't even focused on that yet right so. 
Yeah. yeah. And last question, uh, and this is a great way to, to wrap up today. Uh, Eric Hannenberger asked us, hey, ask Coach Boone, what is your, I love this. What is your favorite thing to do not track related? Oh, man. That's a great um, question, Eric. Thank you for asking that. It is anything with my son. He is so much fun. Um, yeah. He loves Orlando, obviously. He said we can never leave here. We can never move. Um, so actually, it's funny. But uh, this this weekend, um, we are going to go do like um, battleground laser tag, like where it's outside and you get the actual like combat uniforms and like um, the for real for real outside guns, like a for wow. real um, laser tag thing. So I, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Um, I think he's going to be surprised because I think he's going to think it's like the little indoor laser tag that we've played before. Mm -hmm. But this is called ultimate laser tag. And so we're going to we're going to check it out. Um, should be fun. Well, you know, Dana, you are who you are in your role. Uh, your profession is coaching. Uh, I absolutely love my favorite social media posts from you and you know, we're connected on Facebook and other places are, are those images and videos that you do with, with your little boy. I mean, it's just yeah. that, that to me is what you, you coach so that you can yes. parent, <laughs> you know, exactly. parents that you can, you know, I just love those. And you obviously have an amazing relationship with him. Uh, he also seems like he might be a comedian one day. He's a pretty funny uh, yeah. kid, man. I love it. I love it to death. It's he is so pretty funny. And, you know, the girls all love him. And I, I have to laugh because he likes to get on the, we do curfew checks sometimes during this pandemic, uh, just for for safety reasons that we're not out doing stuff we're not supposed to do. But uh, he likes to get on the call and say, hey, good night. And they're all just like, oh, hey, Jay. Everyone loves to see his little face, but he likes to think he's part of the team. So. Well, and he's getting early uh, acceleration strength training when he's pushing the yes. hurdles on the carts. You, you got oh, yeah. the track he's kid 101, yeah. baby. I love it. That's that awesome. Cones, he sets things up. He's, he's definitely a track kid. Say I'm gonna do this uh, podcast for you know the next 20, 30 years. I'm gonna have him on the show one day talking about how did you get into coaching track? And I'm like, well, actually, I know this Jackson. I watched you grow up. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, I don't know what this kid is gonna do. I don't even know if he's really even gonna do sports. He's starting to play uh, soccer with some of the kids in the neighborhood, and I wanted him to do soccer, but he hasn't really taken an interest. He did flag football, but. Uh, you know, he, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but he, he liked the practice better than the meet, um, the games. And I was like, what, what are you crazy? But, you know, I, I'm just letting him find his way. Um, and whatever brings him, brings his happiness and joy. We'll, we'll figure out what he wants to do with his life. Well, you're doing an awesome job. Uh, you know, mom is the most important title yeah. you can have, you know, and I just love watching you pour into him and, uh, you know, that's where I'm the most proudest of, you know, being a, if I can't call myself a friend of yours, Dana, that's where I'm most yeah. proud of just what you're doing as a mom. That's the most important thing that you can be doing. And the cool thing for our sport is you're also doing a great job coaching, uh, pouring into our athletes out there and uh, the coaches that you've had uh, poured into you. It seems very um, obvious that you are doing the same for their development, for the assistant coaches that get a opportunity to come through your program. They're going to be bigger and better coaches because of it. Yeah, I, I truly hope that's true. I, I want my coaches to do such a great job that people do come and, and take them from me, even though I don't want them to go. Um, and right. 
And then, you know, I, I appreciate the loyalty of the ones that want to stay, you know, yeah. if this is where they want to go. So um, I'm just excited um, for the future um, for us here at UCF. And um, I truly appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. And of course, we're friends and, and I appreciate all you do for the sport. Well, you humble me, Dana. Thank you so much for saying that. And thank you so much for being here. You know, one of the most in, uh, valuable and important things you can give me is your your time. Uh, there's other things you could have and maybe should have been doing during this time. So I'm just so thankful uh, for you joining us today and, uh, you know, sharing your journey. It's uh, it's important. It needs to be shared and others need to hear it and uh, and take the lessons from it. So I'm just so thankful for you being here today. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And thank you so much for being here listening to us, man. I'm just, again, so humbled that you would join us week after week as we have just amazing coaches uh, from around the world. I'm just, uh, you know, this is the most humbling part of my job is getting to sit down and really learning coaches' journeys, what brought them to this great sport, what challenges them, and how they're pouring back and giving their the most selfless profession there is, is, is in coaching track specifically and just so thankful for you being here and listening to those stories hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode here with the miss dana boone please if you found value give value back to others share this episode with others and uh, hit me up on twitter i'm at mike cunningham let me know what was uh what was some sound bites from dana today that really struck you those are always my favorite uh feedbacks to see what uh what, what hit you and hit home to you and how you might take that into the future so until next time uh, have a great day and uh, it's march Let's get, let's go have some outdoor season. Let's have an outdoor season, Dana. Let's do it this year. <laughs> we will. <laughs> uh, so thank you again for joining us. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.